Hey, Cold Weather Bats fans, Brian here. Uh, as you may have seen on social media in the past couple days, uh, something of a big announcement in my world, I got a new job. Uh, I've been hired as Duke Baseball's new Director of Recruiting Analytics and Player Development. Uh, I'm going to move to Durham this week uh, with my new wife, kind of start the, the next chapter in our lives together. Uh, as many of you know who have been listening over the years, this is kind of the dream for me. This is the whole purpose of it. This is why I got into scouting to begin with, why I was with Perfect Game, why I never went to work for a big league team. Like all of these things, this is the why. Uh, so, you, you know, a dream come true for me in so many ways. And, and obviously taking the job and, and moving to Durham, it's all been a whirlwind. And, and I'm excited that it's out there now. I'm excited that it's not a secret anymore. But yes. So, with that being said, per NCAA rules, uh, with recruiting and compliance and, and this, that, and the other thing. My time with cold weather bats has to come to an end. It just does. I would love to do both. I asked, but uh, it's kind of a hard no in terms of the access it would give me in terms of recruiting uh, the, you know, like kind of a illegal heads up, like whatever it is, it's not allowed. So I'm not going to do it. I'm following NCAA rules, period. Um, with that being said, it cold weather bats will go on. Cold weather bats was never just me. Cold Weather Bats was was two guys and then a community, and now it's still going to be two guys in a community. Uh, Dan Griesbaum Jr., who many of you have heard over the years as a frequent co-host slash guest on the show, he's stepping into my chair. He and Brandon are going to take over the show. Um, I think that the show might move in exciting new directions now. I, I think that maybe, you know, a little less scouty and a little more actually insightful a little bit more uh, of a deeper dive into the coaching side of things a little bit more of a deeper dive into the the people and the stories and that sort of thing and i for one can't wait to listen i, I think brandon and dan will do, will do an incredible job um i wanted to bring up the patreon since that has become you know something that we're really proud of and something that we're excited about and something that so many of you have supported i think it's we got to talk about it i have pre-written a ton of stuff the remainder of the Cold Weather Bats Top 100 countdown is done. It's done. Brandon has it. He's just going to be posting it weekly or however he decides to do it over the course of the next couple months, uh, you know, so we have consistent content. That's done. That's not going anywhere. That's all going to come out still. The team previews, the individualized team previews that we've been plugging on Twitter, those aren't going anywhere. Brandon and Dan are going to take care of those. Maybe we aren't going to have a weekly scouting notebook anymore like we'd planned when I was still to be around, but... Brandon and Dan will come up with something else. I just wanted to assure the subscribers of the Patreon, it's not going anywhere. The stuff you've signed up to read and have paid us to read is still coming. It's on its way. It's it's written. We're just going to put it out on our own schedule. Um, but the, again, the point being, Cold Weather Bats lives on forever. Brandon and Dan will do an incredible job. I am so thankful to have been a part of this community for a couple of years now, for however long since it's been, it's been going. Uh, this was literally just a Brandon and I got bored one day. Hey man, do you think people would listen to us talk about Michigan high school baseball? And now here we are. It's grown in ways we couldn't have even imagined sitting on that couch texting during COVID or whenever it was that we came up with the idea. Um, it's been 
it's been truly rewarding. It's been a passion project that oftentimes has taken more of a priority in my life over my, my actual paying job. Um, but again, I don't want to get too long winded. Thank you for coming along with the journey. Thank you for being so supportive over the years. Thank you for helping grow cold weather bats into what it is now. I hope that you'll continue listening. I hope that you'll continue supporting the show. Brandon and Dan are going to do an incredible job. And I will hope to see many of you at the ballpark down the road. Till we talk again, signing off for the last time, this has been Brian Sikowski for Cold Weather Bats. Welcome into a brand new episode of Cold Weather Bats. This is Brandon Justice and half of my voice, maybe even less than that, coming to you live from beautiful uh, Trenton, Michigan. Not home of the Bears, uh, all the same, a, a beautiful city that I grew up in and currently live in. And I am here with my new co-host, which we will get to momentarily, Dan Griesbaum Jr., uh, assistant coach at Gross Point South. Also, uh, just a plain old dude that we're extremely happy to have here, and we will touch on that soon. But before we get to that, make sure you're following us on social media at Cold Weather Bats on all platforms, Twitter, Instagram. You can find us on any podcast app in the in the world. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you have found that. Uh, most importantly, find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash coldweatherbats, and you can find all of our premium content that is uh, churned out quite a bit these days with the top 100 list for the top 100 players in the state of Michigan. First time anyone's ever uh, done something with with that much detail. And uh, the scouting reports are, are truly one of a kind. So be sure to go check those out and check out all the written content behind there. So many things to dig through already. And when the season comes, it will only get deeper. But even between now and then, you're going to see a lot, especially once we hit January. Uh, we've got the coaching convention next week. We'll touch on that later today as well. Uh, but what you just heard was... Brian Sikowski's uh, goodbye message to Cold Weather Bats and its community. And, uh, you know, the show, I guess you could say, in, in an essence, got a little bit kind of me like in a way. At least this version of me, the, the StreamYard, which is, for those who don't know the platform, we record on the StreamYard version of me. Uh, and so just want to make sure that we take the time, uh, more time than he took in that time to to appreciate what he did because i think that's kind of a a good way to put it because i think brian put a lot more into this than what he necessarily quote unquote got out of it i don't think he would ever say that because that's sounds rude to come from the person to say it uh trust me we we love cold weather bats we love the community we've built we love doing it to shine a light i think because most importantly we care a lot about the players and and making sure they get their shine that's what this all came from but truly like brian put so much into this and without him, we would never, ever be anywhere near what we're at now. Not that we're like this, you know, Times Square advertised podcast or anything, but uh, we've grown to a pretty high scale in the uh, market we're in, which is Michigan high school baseball. <laughs> and uh, without Brian, it, it was it was never going to happen the way it did. Um, I will go into a little bit of a story here before I. I switch gears when this whole thing first started. And if you're if you're an OG of this show, like like uh, Dan on the other side, if you're an OG of this show, then you probably heard this story. Uh, but I'll tell it again. When this all started, like Brian and I, I 
maybe I'm wrong on this, but and he'll correct me if I'm wrong and text me about it if I am, and I'll own it in the next show. But we hardly knew each other, really. I mean, we were like online friends at, at most. And I don't know how my brain works sometimes, but I just I see opportunities and I'm like, what if? And test out the waters and if it if the water's going and, and the current takes you with it then great and if you're fighting against it then you know it's not going to happen but it's sometimes it's worth jumping in and finding out so long as you can get out alive i guess so i just pretty much took a shot in the dark and was like hey i really want to do a michigan high school baseball podcast i think we need to put the players on display i think we should shine a light on them and uh you're really smart and you're really good with this stuff and, we, you know, we had talked up until this point. It wasn't like I was just a stranger, like we had touched base, but mostly like Michigan football for the most part, not so much Michigan high school baseball. Um, but given his, you know, reputation and how strong his work was with Perfect Game, I just thought this would be a good potential fit. Plus, we had, you know, we had kind of had some rapport with travel ball and all that as well. So uh, just kind of took a shot in the dark. And, you know, he'll tell you like he. He said, yeah, but, but like to this day, like it was, it was a bit reluctant of a yes, I would say like, it was a little bit of like a, yeah, but like, I don't know what the, how this is going to go. Right. And, uh, it obviously went the way it went and we're here now. And, uh, again, super thankful for, um, for Brian, for what he did for cold weather bats, for what he did for you guys, I think is super important. So, you know, for all the people who listen and that want to continue listening, like, uh, David Lally, who's a, a guy who has no business listening, his kid doesn't play anymore, but you know, we covered his kid and he just continues to listen because he enjoys the content. And there's a lot of people out there who have no uh, dog in the fight, quote unquote, you know, but still listen because they just enjoy it. And, you know, Brian is was a big part of that. And we'll continue uh, to be a big part of why we continue to, to do this show because uh, he made it so fun for me. So it, it makes me uh, very reluctant to ever think about stopping it. Uh, so thank you, Brian, for all you did for the show and for the the fans of the show for the players in the state of Michigan, not just what you did on colder bats, but what you did in perfect game. Uh, you brought perfect game to Michigan and they had never been here before. You shined a light on a ton of kids here uh, through perfect game that would not have had that, uh, that light shined on them. If not for your eye for talent and your ability to, uh, to see through evaluations and truly like a one of a kind evaluator and a guy who is, is going to Duke for a reason. It's because he's pretty good at his job. And I will bleep that out. But regardless, like he is just a dude who is good at what he does. And you can't take that away from him. And I can't take that away from him. And and nobody will. He deserves all this. But regardless, he's where he is because of how good he is. So I'm done pumping him up and making him sound like the greatest man to ever step foot on a baseball field. But it was appropriate to take that time and make sure he he got the light shined on him for a minute because he's been shining it on others for a long time. So without further ado... What that means is that one half of the show is, of course, no longer here. Uh, Brian is at Duke now. Therefore, he cannot, uh, through NCAA rule, be on the show. So he will not be a part of uh, a part of cold weather bats anymore. A, a huge supporter, huge fan, hopefully our biggest fan, uh, but no longer part of the show. And while that stinks to say, he's one of my close. He's become one of my closest friends, and this is a dream for him. He gets to go live out that dream, and without hesitation. Uh, we root him on and we move forward and onward. And nobody was more fitting for this than Dan Griesbaum Jr., who has been on the show several times. He was a draftee two times, um, been on the show just to come on the show, I think, originally. Right. Uh, and again, somebody that when this came about and Brian and I had been talking about this for a while and when this happened, 
the immediate the guy we went to, both of us, was Dan. So uh, without further ado, it is my pleasure to introduce you the newest co-host of Cold Weather Bats, Dan Greasebaum Jr. Dan, how are Dan. you? What's 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 the vibe like? <laughs> Man, it's great. It's great to be here. I, I, I it's always great to be here, but in more of a more than a guest role, I suppose this time. First of all, I'm going to call you out. I think you're pretending to be sick. I think that you're emotional over Brian Sikowski <laughs> not being on the show anymore. I think this that is just, that is true. <laughs> this losing your voice business, I think, is a cover up. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, I certainly echo, uh, all the great things that you said about, about SAC. Uh, I, I, I didn't know him real well, you know, prior either, you know, I co- coached against him maybe a couple of times when he was at St. Mary's once or twice. Um, you know, I knew he was a central guy that he worked for the central baseball team. It was in the years after I played there. So I didn't know him, you know, well from that experience or anything, but, uh, yeah, I mean, what a, what a talented, uh, you know, baseball talent evaluator, uh, talented broadcaster. Um, you know, I mean, they're getting a great one there. I, uh, the, the kid from down river headed to Duke. I love it. I love the story. Um, it's awesome, man. It's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, I'm certainly not here to replace him in any way, shape or form. You know, this is maybe I'm, I'm a, a co-host, but, um, I can't replace sack. I'm not going to going to try to, we have, very different skill sets. We have, you know, different backgrounds for the most part. So I'm, I'm certainly not going to try to replace him in any way, but, you know, I'll try to bring some of my experience to the show. You know, maybe it's a little bit different than yours, different than Brian's. Um, but, you know, I, I hope it's still interesting to the community that you guys built. You know, this is your baby. It's definitely not mine. Um, you know, if you guys don't uh, think I'm any good, at, any good at this, you just let me know and I'll, I'll go back to being a fan again. Um, but uh, excited to be here. You guys have, have started a, a great thing for uh, – it turned out to be high school baseball in Michigan. I know when you first started with this, it was really more of a general Michigan right. baseball podcast, right? Um, and maybe we, maybe we can get a, a little bit back toward that maybe at times, um, you know, just because of my background being more in, in uh, you know, the business of baseball, pro baseball, um, you know, playing playing college baseball. Maybe we'll get a little more into some of those other elements over time again. But high school baseball in Michigan is a great niche, and you guys did an awesome job, um, you know, pooling that fan base together. And I'm excited to be a part of it. Yeah, I think you bring up a great point in that, you know, you're not trying to replace Brian at all. Um, and that brings up a good point, guys. Like, the show will take a bit of a of a shift in – cadence uh and just in in content not so much in content we'll still be covered like like dan just said if anything we'll go a little bit wider because we have not that we didn't have the ability to before but i think we found ourselves so hyper focused on high school baseball because that's really what the the fan base has become but uh, we'll absolutely go wider uh um but i mean the content will stay focused on michigan baseball is the point i just mean our cadence, our bounce around, what, how you and you know who you are, and, and the experiences you bring, and what you've seen in baseball is far different than what Brian and I have saw, and what anybody else has saw. We all have very unique experiences in this game. That's why we're also interested in hearing each other talk about it. Otherwise, otherwise, interviews wouldn't be a thing if we all had the same journey. So, I think bringing someone on uh, like you, Dan, who has a, a very rich background in both uh, 
you know, playing college baseball, working in professional baseball, still working in professional baseball now to this day. And then on top of that, coaching at a really high level within Michigan high school baseball and being the son of one of, I don't know, the five best Michigan high school baseball coaches in the history of the game. I don't know where that would be, five to ten. I'm not a historic reference like you are, but I think that also is another thing is all of a sudden we have like what I believe is one of Michigan high school baseball's historic savants like you are. Uh, very much so the encyclopedia of all the uh, gentlemen I've had the journey or the pleasure of meeting over the last few years uh, coaching in this game. So uh, really excited to to hear from you about that. And I think that's where we should start is what are your experiences? Uh, not so much emotional, but just kind of what have you done? Where have you been and where are you at now? So the, the community sure. can get familiar with you. Yeah, uh, and I'll and I'll go real quick with it. But for anyone who doesn't know me very well, uh, you know, I grew up in in Gross Point Woods, Michigan, which is home of Gross Point Woods Shores Little League, which is the most storied little league probably in Michigan. You know, four appearances in the College World Series. Um, you know, we've we've had some other famous ones come up since then. Gross Point Farm Cities, right? You know, right there, and Taylor obviously, you know, went all the way um, recently. So that's certainly a big contender there, but. Regardless, it's a it's a big baseball community here uh, where I grew up. I actually, um, you know, grew up on the north side of town. My dad was an assistant coach at Gross Point North first, uh, where he was an assistant coach for Frank Sambera, who is one of the four gentlemen who has a thousand wins in high school baseball. Uh, they won the state championship in 1980 with what I believe to be one of the greatest uh, high school baseball teams of all time. You know, obviously we've seen some unbelievable contenders to that the last couple of years. Uh, but that was a team that have had five eventual pro baseball players on it. And for them all coming from gross point woods and shores, that was a, you know, quite a, quite a collection of talent, you know, for, with those guys, plus two hall of fame coaches. Um, and then my dad got the job over at gross point South and he's been there for, this is his 41st year, obviously uh, you know, I've spent an awful lot of time with that program from bat boy to player for gross point South to assistant coach Um, outside of the high school game. uh, My full-time job uh, was with the Detroit Tigers for 15 years, uh, various jobs within the business operations from 2004 to 2019 also did a year or two with the Detroit Red Wings in there. Um, Right now, I'm overseeing the sales operation for Jimmy John's Field and the USPBL, uh, which is an independent professional baseball league. As part of that experience, I also did a year on the broadcast. So during the uh, the COVID year, 2020, uh, we beefed up our broadcast quite a bit because we couldn't have very many people in the stands. And uh, as a result of that, if you, you know, if you if you recall, there wasn't even Major League Baseball being played for a significant part of that season. And we sort of took advantage of that and beefed up our broadcast a little bit and had pretty good numbers, you know, for low level minor league baseball. And I was lucky enough to uh, to get a chance to be the color analyst on that broadcast. And I'm not going to fool myself for saying that was for any reason besides the fact that they were already paying me you know, and I was already there and they gave me a shot. But um, it turned out pretty well. And I really enjoyed that broadcasting experience. And I think that's part of what led me, you know, here to you guys being able to continue to be a little bit on the media side of baseball as well. Um, as a player, I, uh, I ended up at uh, Central Michigan University where I, I was the captain of the 2004 MAC champions team, but I was never a, a professional uh, prospect. You know, I, my, I had a couple of, a couple of the five tools, but that was it. You know, I was, I was never going to be a, <laughs> a drafted player. I was a decent college player uh, at best, but 
Um, you know, knew I wasn't going to be a professional, but really wanted to be involved in the game, loved the game, and and just had done the things that I could to stay within the game. And, you know, it took me to some interesting places. I was with uh, the Tigers organization when they went from being uh, kind of a nothing to to a big thing, in, you know, right around 2006. And that experience was uh, was really valuable, you know, as far as learning about the business of sports. And that's you know, something that's evolved a great deal over the years, but it's a significant part of my background. I mean, you know, before we started recording, you and I were talking about the Lions and some of the things on the, you know, with the business operation there and now. And it's it's an interesting thing to talk about. Um, Michigan, you know, the business of Michigan with the Rose Bowl going to the national championship and, and all of the different revenue streams that come with that. That's a big area of interest to me. Um but, uh, you know, it, you can kind of, I don't want to go on and on, but, you know, my uh, experience is kind of all over the place as far as baseball goes from the business side to the to the game itself, you know, from high school to the pro level. It's, you know, it's really all over the place. I do not have, you know, Brian Sikowski's in-depth knowledge about 14 and 15-year-old baseball players across the country. <laughs> That's, I don't I don't have that. Um, I can certainly look at video of players and tell you what I think and watch players play and tell you what I think and, I know a lot about the teams here locally, but um, we have very different skill sets and different backgrounds. And, you know, for that reason, I'm certainly not going to try to replace him. But like I said, I'm excited to be here and I hope uh, I hope I can make the show interesting in my own way. And I'm confident you will. And I'm confident that we will, because it's important that everybody knows if you've just started tuning into the show recently and you don't know this, but I have coached at a couple places. A different place, a different place each season. You, you occasionally, you occasionally get needled about that, which I wear with pride because <laughs> life is life is a journey and it's filled with opportunities. <laughs> right. Uh, and I'm the happiest man in the world to be the head coach at Wyandotte, and I'm a bear for life. But uh, there was a time when I coached at Gross Point South, 2021. Spent a spring there. Uh, was supposed to coach at Saginaw Valley State as the catching coach, and then COVID happened, and then I went to Gross Point to start training kids. And I was driving from down river to gross point at lakeside indoor shout out to Jason Hill. One of the best possible people you could ever trust your kid to be trained by both as a player and a person, in my opinion. Uh, so I highly recommend Jason and anybody at lakeside. Uh, one of the best like people places in the world uh, were, were the people that fill that place every day. You being one of them. Uh, Mackenzie Nemitz was a softball trainer and she was one of the best people to work around. Uh, you know, several people in there, uh, obviously the nude, like we love him. So many great people. Uh, so shout out to them. But the important part is I was working there uh, and was offered a full-time spot, went there, ended up coaching at girls point South. You walk up to me while I'm training a kid. I'm still at Saginaw at this point. Um, but I was working there full time as well. And then I was going to balance both, which was really a plan that at 23, I thought was going to work out. Uh, and you come up to me and you're like, hey, would you have any interest in coaching? If the whole I don't know what you said about oh, if the whole second thing doesn't work out, yada, yada. Maybe I had I don't know what it was. But either way, I was like, yeah, I mean, like I'm not maybe. Yeah, actually, that sounds cool. Like to not have to go forever away three minutes to practice instead of an hour and a half and i don't think anybody really understands how hard it is to be like a college baseball coach without ever ha- like if you don't know this like i i went to like a one and a half semesters of college and like I, I don't need to tell you that everything's worked out 
despite that. But when you're a college coach and you haven't been to college and you're like 23 and you're like, whoa, like this is awesome. Like I really did something here. Like I, I have accomplished something that maybe not a lot of people do because it was like a division two school that, you know, Saginaw Valley, not the strongest program in the world, right? Like I think baseball, coaching baseball at a high level is really all about if you want to do it. It's like if you have the effort, if you have the drive, if you are willing to make sacrifices to not make a lot of money for a few, like and grind to make the money you do make through training, through camps, uh, whatever it may be, door dashing, whatever it has to be then yeah, there's a path for everybody to make it to that. But I thought that was cool. So it was really hard for me to like be like, ah, I, I, I'm not going to be a college coach anymore. I'm going to go coach at South. That seemed like a step down career-wise. I still wanted to work in baseball long-term. But working at the facility seemed like a really good option. So anyway, Dan, you come up to me, ask me about the Gross Point South thing, if I'm interested in it. And you really end up changing my life a bit for a very po- in, a, in a very positive way. Um, because I end up at South and I end up having the experience. One of the, every experience I've had has been tremendous from, from Grozeal to South, the first stint at Wyandotte, even the first coaching I ever did, which is at Trenton, uh, was, was an awesome experience because I got to coach with so many great coaches, Kotner, um, Zalka, and of course, of course, Dan Griesbaum, senior and junior, uh, which was a, such a blast for me. Uh, 2021 was unbelievable for me as a coach. I got to meet so many great kids, Jake Paris, Liam Kaiser, so many great guys, dude. I could like, first of all, we had 26 players, so I'm not going to name them all. Uh, but, but the Maisie brothers, of course, the Maisie brothers, so many great guys in that team. Cliff Grabowski, how could I forget about Cliff? Like the, the GOAT, like the best player to ever play at Girls Point South, Cliff, uh, Cliff Grabowski. Uh, much better than Dan, much better than Dan, Cliff. Uh, yeah, I, know, I know that you're making a joke there, but Cliff – He's got to be in the in a top percent. Cliff is Cliff, Cliff based had on a his historic his, performance. His performance, yeah. I mean, based on his performance, he's he he, he was pretty good. He, <laughs> he, he was he was. And you know what? Like he prophesized it. Like he was saying that uh-huh. as a sophomore, and you know, he maybe got poked at a little bit for it, but or on his chest. His, and per, I, and his, I, his sidearm, his sidearm curveball might have been fifty nine miles. Disgusting. An hour, but... I still had I still have it on video. <laughs> I right. took a video of it. It was that good. And I was watching the game. I had, I was like a scout. I was literally Brian Sikowski did. Like I pulled out the phone and got the arm side. And and yeah, so the, the point is Dan and I know each other. This isn't like we had Dan on the show and we were like, oh, we have good rapport. Also, you're right. My voice is like recovering a ton just from talking, which is crazy. Maybe it's because I've been lying in bed all day and, and not saying anything. Uh, but you know each other. We know each other. You and I know each other. We've had plenty of it. We've... On the field, off the field, we are buds. So this is going to go great. I'm super excited about it. So happy for everybody tuning in today. And we hope you continue to tune in uh, to all these episodes with Dan and I. Uh, Dan will also be doing some stuff for our Patreon. Uh, You want to talk about your first interview for the Patreon? Sure. Yeah, I have. uh, So you mentioned we're going up to the coaches convention, which is in Mount Pleasant, which, you know, by by the way, you know, that's sort of a, as I mentioned, sort of a second home to me. You know, I was uh, a significant portion of my life. I, I lived up there and uh, I'm very fond of it. It's, it's really kind of a baseball Mecca. And, uh, in a lot of ways, this event is very much a Mecca of, of high school baseball, not just because it's a coaches convention, but because so many coaches seem to have a connection with central Michigan university for some reason, which is not necessarily something I know the answer to why that is. I, it's a teacher's college to some degree. So I, that's might be part of it, but, uh, there's a lot of coaches high level coaches that come out of CMU. So um, it's always a joy to go back there for, for baseball stuff. But 
Anyhow, as part of our uh, show that we'll do up there, um, I plan on uh, sitting down with the new head coach there, Jake Sable, who uh, was a, a fellow Chippewa. We were not teammates. He came in, I think he started a year or two after I graduated. I, I can't remember exactly, but um, we were not teammates. But uh, he's kind of uh, bringing the program back in line with kind of what it had always been, which was former players coming back to become the head coach. That's really the vast, vast majority of CMU baseball history has been that. And obviously, uh, Jordan Bischel did a heck of a job while he was there, um, you know, bringing the Chippewas up to national prominence. Um, but it's also fun for me to see it kind of get back in line with another former uh, chip player. And I, I, I'm excited to sit down and talk with him about his visions for the program, um, you know, what he looks for in potential recruits, uh, how he sees the team shaping up this year, how he sees high school baseball in Michigan, which is what this show is about. Um, and he's been in Michigan his entire coaching career, I believe, Alma to Northwood to CMU. So um, he's going to be a great guest for us and uh, excited to sit down with him. That is quite the path. Is that all along the same highway? I can't I believe so. I mean, they all get uh, – they're all kind of part of that – what do they call the uh, – Tri-City area, I think they refer to Yeah, there's Bay. a name for it. Saginaw Bay City, Midlands. Yeah, uh, that that whole, nine, the 989, I guess we could say. He's been he's been huge in the 989. Let's go. He's kind of like he's kind of like us. You in Gross Point, me in Downriver. He's in SAG. Right. right. Except, you know, he's the college coach of a prominent program. And you, coached, and you coached under Steve Jackson, who was my my head coach at CMU for half of my career there. So we have we have You're some damn common, right. common experience there. I never coached under Coach Jackson, but and you never played under Coach Jackson. But I think we we have an understanding uh, about what he's about and and what Mid Michigan baseball is about, kind of as a, as a result of the Saginaw Valley and CMU experiences that we've had. I think Steve and I would both make a funny joke about how I actually hardly coached underneath him right now at the same time. <laughs> right. Both of us would, and we would laugh about it. Steve, I uh, appreciate uh, all the support still through all of that because that was obviously tough for him, Just but COVID was tough for everybody. It was a weird time. So, uh, all right, well, with all that in mind, we're going to switch gears here and bring up our segment for this week, first segment of the Dan Griesbaum Jr. Cole Weatherbats career. This is a great way to kick it off. And I'm super excited about this segment because it's a good time for us to shine a light on teams that we don't get to fit into a really hard list to make. Uh, shockingly, shockingly, people were upset about the Super 25, not including not including certain teams, uh, which obviously we, we expect that with all sarcasm aside. Uh, but we wanted to take some time to highlight 20 teams that didn't make the Super 25 uh, that we think could surprise some people. Now, no, this is not a fixed list saying, hey, these are teams 26 through 40. You know, that's not how this works. It's just a matter of these are 10 teams and that I know of and 10 teams that Dan knows of that we think are that we know are not in our super 25 right now, but we think could be there even before, even by preseason guys, because again, that the way too early one was exactly that the way too early one. Um, right. But regardless, we think these teams could project to get into the super 25, either at some point during the season, uh, anytime during 2024. Um, so what we'll be doing is uh running through the list one by one. We'll give a quick blurb on a team, not much, and then we will move on and kind of just trade blows on it, uh, giving each team some time to highlight them and then moving on. Um, because we do know a bit about each of these teams, but again, it's, it is a bit volatile. 
All right. Uh, so we will go back and forth here, talk about these teams, and I will start uh, at the top with none other than Gross Points South. <laughs> Is Dan Griesbaum a coach? <laughs> Dan Griesbaum a coach? At Gross Point South, he might be. But am I? No, I'm not. And the only rule of this game, folks, is you can't pick your own team. Uh, but you can pick your opponent. So uh, I will take Gross Point South. Why? I mean, I, I have gone over this ad nauseum. Dan Griesbaum Sr. is one of the greatest coaches the earth has ever known. I say that with, with the utmost confidence. Why? Because he understands people. He understands kids, especially at that age. He understands what they need to hear at certain times. He understands when to shut up at certain times. He understands when to lean on his assistants at certain times. He even understands how to lean on his players at certain times. However, Dan, the bunt in the fifth inning. I was just kidding. I'm not going to go. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Dan. He, bun- uh, he, no, bun- but I- he bunts more than you care for, I'm sure. The important thing is we shine a light in the team. So, Dan, I'd love to hand it off to you to give us a, a bit of a rundown on Gross Point South this year. Sure. Uh, yeah. So um, I appreciate you bringing up uh, GPS. We we are a team that expects to contend every year, but we we did lose a lot of starters after last year. You mentioned Cliff Grabowski already. Um, he was part of a, kind of a one-two punch with Wells Graham on the mound, and we we lost both of those guys. Uh, ben Domzalski, who was a catcher, third baseman. Um, he's he was a senior as well. Um, you know, we've lost, I believe it was as far as our everyday starters out of, you know, if you approximately 10 starters, I, you know, I'd say we, we lost seven. Um, so it's going to be a younger team, but uh, we have some guys coming back that we really like. I, I would say I'd probably start with our catcher, who's a 25 catcher, Andrew Dilo DeVico. He is a, I believe, a, a future Division One catcher. I know he's he's talking to some Power 5 schools. He's talking to some high-end academic schools in Division One. Uh, he's a plus-plus defensive catcher who hits with average, has very good mechanics, and uh, I believe will hit with some power. He had a home run last year, but I believe he'll start hitting with some additional power this year as well. Right-handed hitter, uh, running better than he did at one time, very, very hard worker, but he's going to be uh, sort of a piece that the the offense and defense, I would say, is, is, is built around this year. He was probably even as a sophomore last year trending toward being our our mvp at least on the offensive side uh but he got hurt in just an awkward play at home plate uh, a little bit of a collision where he broke his thumb just a unfortunate bad luck type play and we we thought it had the potential to derail our season a little bit uh not so much because of the catching position because we had another great catcher on the team ben Domzalski. But just, um, you know, losing a three-hitter and one of our best, most versatile players, we we thought it had a shot to derail our season, but it didn't. Uh, the guys really fought through it well. We had uh, Jake Kozell, who's coming back uh, as a returning starter. He, he filled in at third base at that point when Domzalski went to catcher. Uh, Hunter Belange is returning at first base. He's a power-hitting first baseman who's also a great football player. Kozell is as, as, as well. And we've got some nice athletes all the way around. I mean, Gross Point South's got a good football team, a good basketball team, and we have a lot of multi-sport athletes on this team. I think that we have a, a chance to compete again. Uh, last year, we ended up um, getting to the, uh, what do they call it now, the Super Regional or the State Quarterfinal, yeah, whatever, whatever we like stupid. to call it. Right, but uh, we had a 7-2 lead 
uh, late in the game on Woodhaven and just kind of hit the wall on the pitching front and uh, couldn't get those last six outs. But, um, you know, had a nice run, beat a very good Gross Point North team in the districts, uh, beat a, a solid Detroit Western in the the regional semifinal, beat um, a nice uh, Catholic League squad, UAD Jesuit, in the, uh, in the regional. I had a nice run there and uh, very nearly ended up in the final four uh, with a team that was – you know, obviously had some nice athletes, but in many ways was under the radar. You know, we didn't have any Division One scholarship commit type guys. And, uh, you know, to make a nice run like that, we were very happy with and, and we're excited about the upcoming season. I will say I, uh, the freshman class coming in is one that we're very excited about. The, uh, man, it's funny to say now, the class of 27, <laughs> it sounds so awkward. but Yeah, it's terrifying. Um, <laughs> but there's some some guys in the class of 27 that we know will make a big impact at some point. You know, not sure if it's going to be right away or not, but there's some really good overall athletes in there. You know, just to name a few, Charlie McPartland, who's, you know, maybe the next uh, the next great South catcher, uh, Drew, Drew Hess, who's a uh, corner infield, outfield type uh, that hits left-handed, just, you know, a great uh, overall athlete, great frame. Uh, Sam Rouleau, who runs like the wind. Uh, Trey Grabowski, who's Cliff's younger brother. He's he's a freshman now, great athlete, a really good pitcher, who's um, really more of a natural pitcher than, than Cliff was. Cliff ended up at the pitching position just because he ended up doing a great job and he knew what he was doing out there. But uh, Trey's like a natural than, to me. Yeah, <laughs> Trey's more of a natural uh right-hander on the mound. But, um, you know, I think that we're going to have our battles in the Mac Red. There's some really good teams, which I'm sure we're going to talk about a couple, but uh, uh, it'll be a little bit of an adjustment at the beginning of the year with a lot of guys starting and playing a big role for the first time. But, you know, we always find a way to be right there in the end, and that's the important part. That is the important part. The most important part of the season is the postseason. There's nobody in this sport. I mean, specific to Michigan, of course, Michigan high school. So when I say sport, I don't mean the entirety of baseball. You got to clear up a lot of things these days before you say them. (laughs) There's nobody in the sport better at coaching in the postseason than Dan, in my opinion. Uh, It's just tried and true. I mean, he's proven it over and over and over again. Um, Well, I, I, you know, I don't like to to toot my own program's horn, and it's tough to toot your own father's horn. Obviously, it never comes off that great, but he – he does have 26 district championships and um, and he's got uh, eight division one final fours, which is a record uh, for one coach. And, you know, obviously there's proof just in those numbers, but I think on top of that, just with the, the changing landscape of high school baseball being what it is, you have to be a really good strategist and really have a good feel for things when your school is one that is drawing students just from a couple square miles. And that's what, what Gross Point South is. We're not able to recruit guys at all. We're taking guys only from the south half of Gross Point, and there's no way around that whatsoever. So your guys are what they are when they get there, and that means you you need to be involved in the pipeline from Little League on, and you've got to make sure that that pipeline is is running to have any chance of success. And I think that's, you know, over his 41 years, um, something that has materialized pretty well. 
and not to be dramatic, but to anybody doubting if Gross Point South recruits or not, uh, do you really think with the disaster that was going on at Gross Point North for a couple of years there that the Hill brothers would have stayed if, if they couldn't? Because um, I'm assuming, I'm going I'm to keep it a buck with y'all at home right now. That wasn't going to happen by choice if there was one. So there, he has just, done that. Just in general, just in general, there's some great ball players on the in the other half of Gross Point and in the cities around Gross Point that Gross Point South would love to have if we had the opportunity, but there's no doing. Like like happen. everyone on Liggett, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> right. Especially the last couple of years. Yeah, that would have been oh, nice, yeah. right? But Big time. You think about the year we went and played them in 21, we played that doubleheader, man. Or not, the, it wasn't a doubleheader, it was a triangle, but we would play them that one game, and they were just loaded, 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 loaded. Oh, yeah. Um, and they will continue to be. All right, that means it's your pick. Yeah, so you know, I mentioned the Mac Red, and uh, I'll stick with that with my first team. And you know, I'm, we'll, we'll move move through these fast now. Obviously, we've spent a lot of time on GPS because of of uh, well, naturally, yeah, sure, naturally. But uh, I, I certainly want to mention uh, Macomb, Dakota. They're first of all a physically enormous school, uh, basically the size of a college. They get a tremendous amount of athletes through there for every sport, every year, all the time. Uh, Coach Angelo Pluff in his second year now, he had a great first season. Um, finished Phenomenal. third, yeah. Finished, uh, I believe, tied for second in the Mac Red with Gross Point South, and uh, won the district as well. Ended up losing a tough one in the regional. I believe was it to Stevenson. I forget now who they lost to, but um, it might may not have been Stevenson. That might be wrong, but or De La Salle perhaps. But I, forgive me for not remembering that part. But they they had a nice season, and uh, they have a good chance to have another good season. Uh, Luke Demasi, twenty five from. Uh, from Dakota, pitches with the Metro Stars, right-hander, uh, really nice projectable flame, frame, really good stuff. Um, you know, and there's plenty of guys on that roster. They're going to have a really good season again. Uh, it's a tough division with uh, Stevenson, who's really a top dog this year and has a great roster. And then, you know, Gross Point South, Romeo, Eisenhower. You know, it's, it's a tough, really tough division, but Dakota's going to be right there like they always are. Yeah, Ange did a phenomenal job. Uh, anyone who knows Dakota baseball knows Ange, right? I mean, he's he's put a lot into that place and um, deservedly so. Became the head man and took him took him the distance last year, and think that they have every opportunity to do it again this year. They are a very, very, very good deep team. They are every single year. I have never coached in a setting quite like Game Three versus Dakota in twenty one. Un- oh. <laughs> unbelievable. Unbelievable. We'll yeah. talk about it another another day, but unbelievable. Um, all right, that brings it to me. I'm going to go with Seaholm. This would have been, if I had to pick in an order, probably my first pick. A lot of returners on this team. They knocked off Brother Rice last year. No reason to, to believe they're not capable of doing it again this year. Uh, they've got some twins that are studs. Uh, the Robbins kid is a stud. The Princeton pitcher, Shenfeld, is a stud. Uh, you got four studs on a High school baseball team, you're in good shape. Uh, word is from coaches who have played against this team, they've got a few more as well. Uh, and, yeah, so Seaholm is my first pick just because they are – I mean, they knocked off Brother Rice. There's, like, no reason you can't you can't believe they're not going to do it again. So That's great. That's uh, a great call. That's a great call. Right. That was uh, one of the – there were several shocking upsets in the state tournament last year, but that one was every bit at the top of the list. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. That was, like – Icing on the cake, not to rain on anyone's parade at Brother Rice or anything, but everyone loves chaos. So 
that was like the peak of the chaos. So, well, uh, and, so and makes, when, when those things happen and, and I can tell you from experience, you know, talking to the, to the guys uh, as the tournament progressed, but the more times that happens, the more every other team starts to think, wait a second, you know, why not us? You know, right. <laughs> maybe yeah, we weren't in the doubt. top 10, we weren't in the top 20. We don't have, we're not loaded with college commits, but if this team lost, this team lost, this team lost, this team, why, why not us? Maybe we might win this thing. You know, it starts to get, it starts to get exciting. Uh, my next yeah. team, I'm going to, I'll stay, uh, I'll stay close to home with mine. Um, I'll talk briefly about Gross Point North who uh, cross town rival uh, with, with our guys, obviously, but uh, another great program with a great, great history and always a very, very tough district opponent for us. Uh, but pitching has been the key with them over the last several years, and they that will be the strength of the team again this year. Brennan Hill is about as good as they come. He is a lefty committed to the University of Michigan. Long and loose, great stuff, can get it to the low to mid-90s with and has movement, uh, can throw to both sides of the plate, just very difficult to square up. And, uh, I mean, he's, he's as good as anyone that you would take on your high school baseball team. Uh, they also have Rock, Rocco Cardinale, who committed to Wayne State, a uh, tall right-hander who uh, wasn't always a pitching prospect necessarily. He actually did quite a bit of catching. He played in the outfield a little bit. He can hit the ball over the fence. Um, and he'll definitely be the number two on that staff. Um, and I, I want to mention uh, for the first time on this show uh, maybe a dark horse in that rotation uh, someone by the name of Brandon Keys, who uh, transferred in, I believe, from Florida. Uh, he's a junior, I think a young junior. Uh, got a chance to see him a little bit over at the Lakeside facility. Uh, doesn't have the top-notch velocity yet, but he's got a lot of life on his ball. He's got a really nice frame. He looks like he's going to be someone who's going to be tough to square up, uh, not someone that uh, I'll look forward to our guys facing the next couple of years. I think he's going to be tough. So North's going to have quality pitching again. Uh, their new coach from the last few years, Kevin Chubnell, has done a nice job and has built a nice staff over there. So they're going to be a, a tough uh, contender again. Yeah, Shub's done a fantastic job. Cole Weatherbats, coach of the year in 2022, notably. Uh, all right, that brings it back to me. And, yeah, no, also I want to add Brennan Hill. Best arm in the state this year, uh, maybe. I mean, he's one of them, right? Broughton, probably one of them. Uh, Donovan, one of them at Orchard Lake. I'm trying to think of some others. I know I'm forgetting somebody, but that's on me. He's as good a prospect as there is for me just because he's, you know, still kind of wiry, and I I think he can fill out a little more. I think his fastball is going to maybe tick up a notch again this year, and he's as good as anybody for me. Yeah, he is one of the – no, actually, he is the only person who shut down that Orchard Lake lineup in 21 and he did it as a sophomore and he looked even better as a junior last year uh despite maybe the roster not being as deep as it was in 21 um and you know had dealt with a lot of injuries last year um but yeah brennan obviously we've highlighted him a few times on the show fantastic player headed to michigan in the spring or i'm sorry well you'll see him playing in the spring next year but headed to michigan in the fall uh to be a wolverine notably in the national championship but we won't talk about that here because that's not the focus brandon uh all right Moving on, I'm going to take Heartland. Uh, I'm always going to take Heartland because Brad Gunther, I think, is a fantastic coach and a great teacher of the game. Uh, But he's a a super good in-game coach. Uh, You don't often see head coaches relinquish their third base duties uh, to be be involved in what you would think is more assistant coach type stuff. But, like, I've seen Gunther do the game changer, like, often. Like, often. 
like many times. And I don't know if it's because like he wants to make sure it's accurate or what it is, but that's something that me, like, I don't know if it's my, maybe it is my ego, but I like, I hate doing that. Like I, I'll like be the last person to do it. And that's my fault. Brad Gunther inspires me. Uh, but apart from that, no, he's extremely good at connecting with players. Uh, I like any coach that, that guys play for them. Like it's evident, like, you know, when you go play against a team or go watch a team play, if they're playing for their coach or not pretty clearly. And, and these guys play for Brad. They play their asses off for Brad. Uh, that game against, I think it was CC. They won against CC in 21 or 22. I think it was 22 um, at Novi. Who did they, who went on to pay Orchard Lake? They lost to CC. They they beat Lake Orion Heartland. I'm thinking of, um, but just the way they those guys play for him, it's evident. The whole coaching staff is awesome. I think there, uh, to be honest. Um, so, uh, but apart from that, they actually have a lot coming back. Lots of high level players. Huge school. Um, and in a great conference, KLA, challenging year in, year out, but they always find a way to compete. So I'm not going to buy into too much of what they lost last year uh, versus what they returned necessarily, uh, just because I think that's more of this is more of a this program always competes type of uh, pick because of the uh, ability, I think, of Brad to develop and his whole staff just to get guys to play hard. And uh, that's really half the battle in high school baseball. I think sometimes you'll see more talented teams come out a little bit flatter if they're not uh, coached a certain way and that's not necessarily right or wrong. I just think when it comes to playoff baseball, um, this guy has a, has a knack and ultimately that's what I'm focused on as, as a grader of teams. I wanted the, which teams are going to make the deepest run of the playoffs. I think Heartland's got the capability to do so. They always play a ton of speed, run the bases super well. Uh, and those are what, those are the things that it takes to win. I think teams who run the bases super well, always have a big edge uh, personally. And so, yeah, that is my pick Heartland and, and coach Gunther and his Eagles. That transitions well into my next pick. I'm going to go with Detroit Western, who is a team that has similar qualities. Uh, they always make a run into the postseason. They've, to my knowledge, always been in the regionals uh, last 10 or 15 years at a minimum. They run the base as well. They play quality defense. They have good athletes. Coach Juan Sanchez uh, preaches the fundamentals, and they've always been a tough out in the state tournament. Uh, they've got some some guys that uh, graduated last year that were good players, but they have some young infielders that are starting to mature, Justin Diaz, uh, Nor- Norby Garcia, uh, Julian Contreras, uh, some really solid 25 infielders uh, that I think are are going to be really tough for them this year. And they're going to win the Detroit PSL Conference. There's no question about that. They've, they've lost, I think, one game in the PSL like in the last decade and a half. So they're certainly going to win that. They're going to be in that regional, and they're always going to be a, a team that's contending. And the only question for them is, you know, when are they going to take that next step into the final four, which is something they, they haven't done yet. I'm sure uh, coach Sanchez is, has that dream certainly. And it's, it's always going to be a tough, uh, you know, a tough one for them uh, coming, coming out of the city, but um, that's the goal. And they've always been right on that doorstep. Yeah. JC, one of the best, man. Oh God. The work he's done with the bulls, the work he's done with Western, uh, just the work he's done with Western, not just in baseball, the work he does there as a whole uh, with the athletic programs uh, and the work he does in Detroit, uh, just the individual he is. Uh, another guy whose guys just play for him. Caleb Jones has a lot of opportunities, loves playing for JC. Ton of respect for they that. Got some nice, uh, they got some nice ballparks in the city now, too. I mean, they've, they've got the... Uh... Uh, I forget, well, the corner ballpark, which is the old Tiger Stadium site, they've got uh, in uh, the southwest neighborhood, uh, Clark Park's got a nice nice ballpark. They've got the ballpark where the Detroit Stars Negro team, Negro League team used to play. I forget what they call that park now. Or, oh, Hamtramck, the old Hamtramck yeah. field. Uh, oh, yeah, the old Hamtramck field's awesome. But that's the corner. 
great. Well, the, no, the corner is the Tiger Stadium one, but the, the Hamtramck one is the Detroit Stars uh, with the – Oh, uh, we're, we're – I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. but that's uh, – I mean, there's some really unbelievable venues that are a lot of fun to play at now, and I hope that helps them continue to build their program because they've done some really good things. And it's important to highlight – baseball in Detroit because I think we have an opportunity to do some pretty cool things within the city. Uh, JC is a huge, massive, integral part of that. Uh, and that program is Detroit baseball and at the high school level. Um, so their success is always uh, supported. They're easy to root for for many reasons, but, uh, you know, they just keep winning. So that's why it's I will, easy to root for them. You know, I, I will say in my in my lifetime, I think the baseball being played in the city right now is the best that it's ever been, you know, in the last several decades. Um, I'd say that, you know, Detroit Western, certainly at the forefront of that. Also, Detroit Edison, certainly at the forefront of that now the last few years. Um, and then even outside of those two high schools, just the, the great talent among the African-American community in general and the Hispanic community in general, it's as good in baseball right now out of Detroit as it's ever been, at least in my lifetime. You'd have to go back to to my dad's uh, youth to find better baseball in Detroit, I think, than we've had right now. That can't be too far back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Couldn't say with a straight face. Love the guy to death, though. Um, (laughs) All right, so we are moving on uh, to my pick here, and I am going with Okamis. Uh, obviously, Okemos, the home of Caleb Bonimer. Caleb Bonimer is the best high school baseball player I have watched in Michigan yet in, in my time frame. I've not seen anybody this good at the plate. I've seen a lot of great pitchers. Alex Mooney is, was a phenomenal prospect, but I think Alex Mooney would be the first one to tell you that his senior year wasn't what he wanted it to be necessarily uh, in certain aspects. I don't think he had a perfect year. I think Caleb Bonimer is like damn near perfect. Like he was last year. He's a single handedly almost won uh, the region for, well, I think they won the, I know for a fact he single handedly, I shouldn't say single handedly. That's disrespect to his teammates. He, which he points out in our interview last year or last season, I should say uh, about their accomplishments. But uh, Caleb Bonimer was the reason that that team had a chance to, to make it as far as they did. Uh, and he brings his class with him back for a senior year where they have a winnable district, a really tough region, but regardless, his impact is unreal. I mean, he had two home runs and closed the district game, and for those who don't know, Caleb Bonimer is currently committed to Virginia, but word is he's probably not going to end up there. Not saying I know anything about his decision. I don't. Let me make that completely clear. I am not at all forecasting the kid's decision or trying to hint at it or spoil it in any way. He's a projected first-round draft pick, so odds are he's probably not going to go to Virginia. First-round draft picks don't go to college usually. Alex Mooney was a projected first-round draft pick, ended up uh, getting, um, you know, not getting what he wanted. I don't know what the story is, so I'm not going to try and speculate. I just know that he didn't right. go in the first round. Usually, it's a money thing. On, on you know, the talent was That's there. He's projected, to, he's projected to go there everywhere. We don't know if it was maybe a, a value thing or what it was. Regardless, he, he elects to go to school at Duke. It all works out for him because he gets like 4x, 5x slot money in the spot he got picked out of college. He's with the Guardians. He excelled a ton in his first year. Just goes to show like everyone's journey is different. So there's no reason to be like to go one way or the other. But Bonner is a guy who's going to more than likely, I think, 
get drafted this year and go as a first rounder. Um, but I mean, shoot, dude, between him, Brock Porter, uh, Alex, I mean, Nolan at the plate, maybe, but like Ike Irish's ability behind the plate matched with his hitting ability. Very few players over the last seven years to have this type of impact. Uh, so I'm going with Okemis. I am sorry to the, his teammates that I'm not highlighting right now because we have to hurry. But Bonimer is is a game wrecker, the biggest game wrecker in the state, without a doubt. Can't go wrong with that pick. Um, I'm going to bring it right back to you. I'm going with uh, the Wyandotte Roosevelt Bears. First of all, is it appropriate to just call them Wyandotte, or do you have to say Wyandotte yeah, Roosevelt? Yep. You okay. can skip Roosevelt. You can skip. Okay, Roosevelt. so I'm going with the Bears. Uh, obviously, they've got a new coach. A new coach here, my co-host Brandon Justice, who. Uh, I know he's going to hammer the fundamentals with them. Uh, he's going to get everything out of uh, the guys on his roster and is going to do a great job building that program over the next decade. Uh, but they also have a tough league, and I know Brandon knows that. They're going to have to contend with uh, some real players there, Woodhaven, Allen Park, um, Trenton. Uh, I mean, there's some really good baseball being played downriver. Uh, but I'll, I'll let you talk about your, your ball players here. I know uh, Jaden McGowan's a nice player for you, but go ahead and talk about your uh, your ball players. Yeah, Jaden's awesome. Uh, fast as lightning. Uh, plays the game super hard. He's got all the confidence in the world. If I can make everybody as confident as Jaden is, a lot of these players understand their abilities. Not, I mean, I'm not saying specific to us at Wyandotte, just in general in baseball. His, his confidence is people could learn from it, I think. Um, very skilled player will help us on the mound. We'll play a solid shortstop and we'll do a ton on the base path for us. Um, we've also got Keegan Rose, who is one of the greatest individuals I've ever met coaching in baseball. Uh, he's going to be, uh, you know, I don't believe in captains. My saying has always been everyone's a captain. Uh, all of our guys are the captain to the man to the right. And a captain, the guy to their left. That's kind of what we do. I had that uh, GI and uh, and doing it again here, and I'll, and I'll likely always do it. But very open to things changing. But at this point, all our guys are captains. If I had to pick one, though, like Keegan is the guy. Um, you know, he's he's a leader by example. Uh, he's extremely genuine, extremely authentic. Has nothing to do with his baseball skills, but you need those kinds of guys. Uh, but to help with that, he has a ton of baseball skills as well. Uh, I think he's going to be like low to mid eights come spring might be higher, might shock us a bit in that regard. Not going to speculate that he's going to throw like 90, but I do think he's going to be our ace this year on the mound. Um, you know, in a perfect world, him and Jaden are our guys, man, in a perfect world. Uh, Jaden's got to clean it up a bit with the control from last year. Uh, but in a perfect world, those are our one twos. That's a one two punch that, I mean, we feel real good about those two on the mound if they're on, uh, but we have a ton of other guys as well. I'm really excited about Connor Beto, left-handed sophomore, who we project to be in the rotation this year. We have a ton of young talent. Um, Zach Hoffman in the freshman class is about 6'3", huge power bat, natural bat to ball, super raw, which excites me. I don't like guys who are good and put together. I like guys who are good and know, don't and, and don't know anything about why they're good because then we make them so much better. So we're really excited about him. Um, we're really excited about... All kinds of guys. Our catcher, Peyton Webster, is, has really, really, really progressed year over year. Uh, he was super defensive last year as a catcher, started as a sophomore for them for the pretty much the entire year, was really, really good for them defensively. The bat was a little quiet. We've been working on it a lot this year in four-mans, and he is changing who he is as a hitter. 
and he's seeing the ball a lot better. We're really excited about Peyton. Uh, so many other guys to highlight as well. We just feel really strongly about the depth of our roster. Uh, we got guys like all over the map, Luke Curleman. You know, he's like 5'10", 5'11", probably. Um, but he's just got so much natural twitch to him that he doesn't really know how to use quite yet. But we're seeing him use it more and more and better and better as the year goes on. We're super excited about his ability, both at the plate, on the mound, and he's able to play so many different positions. We won't put him at catcher, but he did catch for the JV team as a freshman last year because he was the only guy that could. We're really excited for him to be able to excel as likely an infielder. We're really seeing him at third base right now. Um, But we're so excited about the depth of our roster. Uh, I didn't know much about our roster coming into the job. I knew all of our guys. I knew all of uh, our seniors. I knew a good chunk of our juniors. Um, You know, Mark Sobush is another guy, third-year varsity player who's going to be coming back for us, who we're really excited about. We just have so many guys. There's so much depth. I'm probably forgetting some guys, too, like Emilio Sanchez, Andrew Paisecki, like so many guys, man. Like it's, it's, I think we return eight starters. Uh, so our depth is is awesome. We're really excited about our depth. We don't have any stars. We don't have a Donovan Canterbury. We don't have a, uh, a Manny Gutierrez. We think Jaden McGowan is, is the next guy to fill into that, but really don't be surprised if Keegan Rose just carries the torch over and then he hands that off to Jaden next year. We have a really, really determined group of guys to go do something because we've gotten our asses kicked a bit over the last few years by these teams that are super good. You mentioned them, man, like Allen Park, Trenton, Woodhaven. Those are awesome programs, you know, and they've built that stuff from the ground up and they've done a tremendous job, all three of them individually. Allen Park has been awesome over these last couple of years and shout out to Goalie, who's been doing it for ever and might have his best run he's ever had in what could be his last uh, run you know so good for him and good for those guys Southgate Annie Green comes back and is rebuilding Southgate it's awesome what's happening in our league but it's really tough it's a tough ass league man like these guys are good uh so we got our hands full um but we also have our hands full with a ton of depth and a ton of talent we're super excited about it so that is my spiel on the Bears and you're up and that brings it to me and we had some technical difficulties so I'm scrolling to my teams here all right we're back. <laughs> My next team is Lakeland. Uh, I mean, how could you not pick Lakeland at this point? Like every year we're like, surely Lakeland's going to fall off. Surely Lakeland's going to fall off, but they don't. Uh, you know, Brad Farquhar has done a fantastic job there perennially over the last few years, building a great team and a great program that continues to compete year over year. They have a really strong backstop coming back this year. Uh, guy committed to Davenport uh, and they just got all kinds of players uh, all over their roster that could plug into a college uh, roster. They're, they're, Lakeland's like always that team that has a ton of D2 guys who kind of get overlooked. And I think that they've always been really, really good at having depth. You know, they don't have like one guy. They have like six guys that are on that level. Um, I think all the Farquhars are now gone. There might be another one. I'll do some further research on that. Regardless, with the roster they have coming back, last year was supposed to be a rebuild year. They end up having an awesome year get back in the Super 25, et cetera. Um, so I am taking Lakeland with my pick. That's a safe one to go with, too. Um, I'm going to stay close to home again and uh, talk real briefly about Gross Point University Liggett. Um, they have, they're have they going through about as much change as you can go through right now. They've been a huge power uh, for the last, you know, five, ten years at least. Uh, through various divisions, they've – played uh, division in all, actually in all four divisions at different times and uh, 
have been a power and have been a contender in, in each of them at different times. Uh, Hall of Fame, uh, future Hall of Fame coach Dan Samini uh, departed after last year. He's now at Northville. So they do have a new coach this year, uh, Jay Ritchie, who's been uh, – he, he was a former uh, college baseball player who, who went to Liggett. Uh, he's coached in the, the Caesars baseball program for quite a while and uh, is familiar with a lot of the kids uh, that he has in the program now. Um, certainly going to be a steady hand for them is gonna, and, and is going to do a good job. Obviously, the big challenge for them right now is I believe they, unless I'm mistaken or if there's something uh, changed that I'm unaware of, but I, I believe they're still in Division Two, which they position they uh, petitioned, I should say, to go into Division Two last year, and uh, and they're they're still in that division, which is certainly higher than their enrollment would dictate. So that's that's a challenge certainly at the state tournament level. Uh, also, being in the top division of the Catholic League is a great challenge, as we know. I mean, that's I think I, my my opinion is that's the toughest conference in the state is the the top division of the Catholic League. So they have their work cut out for them. But uh, Preston Barr on the mound, Michigan commit, uh, right-handed pitcher. I think he's probably playing shortstop as well uh, this year. Uh, obviously, he's going to be tremendous for them. Uh, but they lost an awful lot too. So we. You know, that's why they're not in, the, in the, the Super 25 is because of all the really high-end talent that they that they graduated. But uh, I'm sure they're still going to be a good team. These guys know how to play ball, and uh, and I think they're going to keep the train on the tracks there, and, and they'll still have a lot of wins and will compete in the postseason. Those gross point boys, they play baseball. Yep. So all the, all the gross point schools can be trusted. Um, we have a saying – where it's called cyclical proof. You are cyclical proof in gross point. And what cyclical is for the kids at home, something that's just inevitable. And, uh, you know, eventually things are going to change, right? So um, we have a saying in, in high school baseball, you might hear coaches say, oh, it's one of those years we're rebuilding. It's a cyclical year where you just got to, I hate to say this, it's not to diminish anybody, but you just got a weak class. It happens. You have weak senior classes. You have weak sophomore, weak junior. No matter what, if you have a weak blank class, eventually that class is going to be freshman. They're going to be sophomore. They're going to be a junior, and they're going to be a senior. And each year, they're going to be a whole. And let's say you got two weak classes. Not much you can do about it. And then it becomes a tough decision because it's like, well, if your weak class is a senior and your weak class is a juniors, uh, and you load up on sophomores and freshmen, you might sacrifice a year. Cyclical year. All right? So for those at home, they are cyclical proof. Gross point because they are always good because their little leagues cycle through. Some other cities that are cyclical proof, West Bloomfield, cyclical proof in my opinion now that Josh is there because players want to go there. They're not losing kids that much anymore. I think they're cyclical proof. Trenton, Trenton has a strong little league program. Same, not the same as Gross Point, but same ideation as Gross Point and that that they grow their players and develop them through their little league. Cyclical proof. We could go on and on. I'll stop there. Uh, that brings me to. My pick, right? Yeah. So I am going with Spring Lake. I think Spring Lake is like the arguably the biggest sleeper in the whole state. They got a Louisville commit at the top of the rotation. Super strong team, top to bottom. Very high on them. A lot of, uh, and, and the guy's name is Zane Stahl, who is going uh, to Louisville at Spring Lake. Uh, having a top of the rotation guy is massive, but the roster is rounded out as well. Big part of the teams I chose is based on the conversations that we've had with coaches uh, over the last few weeks and just you know, keeping an eye and talking around with guys around the state 
and Spring Lake just continues to come up and continues to come up and Stahl continues to come up and continues to come up. Uh, and so I am picking Spring Lake as my next team, and I'm going to unfortunately hurry it up a bit because we, we've gone over our allotted time, which was not <laughs> shocking at all given the topics of today. They were just naturally going to go long-winded in the beginning there. Uh, but that is my next pick, Spring Lake. Uh, yeah, I'll certainly try to just get through them too. But uh, I want to keep an eye on New Boston here on. You know, they've been a contender for several years now. Uh, definite power in D2. Micah Smith on the mound. He's a BG commit. They've got certainly some other guys as well. But that Division Two is always, and it's historically been the case since uh, St. Mary's went up to Division One. Division Two has really been open. We've always had a little bit of trouble really pegging who the the team to beat is in Division Two. Um, you know, New Boston Hurons always right there. Last year, Riverview, huge upset of, well, I shouldn't say huge upset. Shane McClendon is a dog. And that's evident because he's already made, he, uh, I talked to Jordan Banfield at Brian's wedding and, you know, he's super impressed and no, no shock at all. Shane was awesome last year for Riverview and he's single-handedly be here on for them for the most part. You know, they had some, some, you know, situational hitting, but uh, Shane, you know, pitched his tail off for them for I think eight innings or, or the better part of eight innings. Was that um, an extra? Exactly. Was that an extra inning game too? Yes, it was at Trenton High School. Unreal and game. I think that, that kind of that really affected the whole tournament because it you know it wore down uh, Riverview's pitching too going into extra Correct. innings. And then you know I think Liggett had probably an easier time than they otherwise would have. You know, it was five. very very Georgia Florida State. You know, like Riverview was on like pitcher number five or six. Right. And like it was fresh because they got to play an easier district then uh, or easier region at that point. I think it was what it was. Um, right. But shout out to shout out to Zach Zolchek, pitching coach at Huron, uh, and coach uh, coach Phil. They do an awesome job at Huron with their guys. Zach is uh, one of the best guys for for pitchers around here, in my opinion. And uh, luckily, he uh, dedicates his services to Huron only, and they get to benefit from him. Uh, so shout out to Coach Zolo. Uh, that brings it to me. I'm going to go with Old Reliable, Grand Blank, because it's about that time, right? So Grand Blank, Grand Blank, super strong in 2020, super strong in 2021. Uh, obviously, 2020 was COVID, but the roster was supposed to be super strong that year. Um, but 2021, obviously, they made the run to the states and everything in one states. And then, again, we talk about cyclical, right? We just talked about this. They had a little bit of a cyclical year. It wasn't like they weren't good. They were just not nearly as good as they were. Not many teams are able to do that in the state championship to the next year, uh, especially public schools. But Grand Blink has another Notre Dame commit ace on the mound. Like, again? Are we serious? Uh, and, again, I'm riding aces all the way in, in Michigan high school baseball. If, if a team has an ace and they have some guys around them and they have a good Little League program and they have a good head coach who's developing, then I'm buying that. And I am once again buying that with Grand Blink. They do an awesome job out there with their little league. Uh, guys come to high school ready to play. They play summer ball together. Uh, they understand what it means to have guys playing together. Uh, and again, I support travel baseball. I support national travel baseball. There is value in being a high school coach and having a group of guys come to your school that have been playing together both in the summer and in little league or one or the other. Uh, for several years before showing up to high school. You know that, Dan, from seeing your guys play a lot together, whether it be through the Redbirds or Caesars or what have you. Uh, so there's value in that. Grand Blank has an upper hand in that. And they've got an absolute menace on the mound uh, who's going to be joining Lally soon as well. So that is my pick. 
And it, I mean, for the whatever down year it was, didn't they still get to like the regional final? <laughs> yeah, they were still awesome. That's the thing. Like they were yeah. still great. They were still right. great. And what was like a quote unquote cyclical year? And he was, you right. know, and the guy was awesome on the mound. So, right. Uh, I'm going to mention Pontiac Notre Dame Prep, uh, another D2 school. Like I mentioned, that's that's kind of open. Coach Jason Gendro has been around a while, and I know he really likes the the young class that that came into the school last year. Uh, Drake Roa, certainly part of that shortstop, 26 shortstop. And that 26 class in general, I know, is really strong for them. Maybe this isn't quite the year for them, but they're going to be contenders, I think, for the next couple of years. Yeah, I think you're on. I think you're on spot on with that. Brian mentioned that on on his way out. Um, that was that was a funny joke. Um, <laughs> all right, my next pick is going to be Groves, Birmingham Groves. So I'm sticking in that same league, uh, West Bloomfield's league. Also includes um, Seaholm, which we mentioned earlier. And now we are talking about Groves, Central Michigan commit, last name Stoyankovic. Can't remember his first name. I'm not even going to try to remember what it is, but. Stoyanovich or whatever it is, but he's committed to Central. He's an awesome ace for them at the top. They're a deep team, deep roster. That league is arguably going to be the one league to maybe compete with the top of the Catholic League. I do think the Catholic League is undoubtedly the best, but you know the KLAA is Austin probably number two. But this league is right behind it. Um, you know, with the power of Northfield, it's probably hard to Northfield, Novi, Brighton, Heartland. Yeah, KLA has got to be two, but this league might come in. Uh, you know, your two to three spot teams like this huge fan of what groves is able to do they just got a brand new field as well not that that has anything to do with it just highlighting that um but love their pitching staff again i have a very simple picker do you have a strong staff great do you have some you know projectable players offensively awesome and they have both of those things and so i am taking groves uh shout out to again to josh bernberg talked deeply with him about his league he was very high on groves very high on c holman I respect his opinion. So, I'm going to go with another Division II team, and it's another one that has a really nice complex. You know, you just mentioned having a nice complex, which you know it, it's a good thing to have. It's an important thing to have. It helps draw students, and yeah, it must be nice. Yeah, I mean, draw student athletes to your school. Um, but Country Day, um, I, I think Country Day's got a chance to to compete in Division II. Uh, coach Steve Lepkowski is the head coach, uh, but we got to mention one of the assistants there as well, Brandon Inge. Uh, had a long major league career and father of Tyler Inge, who's their their best player this year, uh, Michigan commit, who plays the infield, but also really has a good idea of what he's doing on the mound. Um, but what a great asset for them to have. I mean, he's just a, a really down-to-earth, uh, longtime major leaguer who can impart a lot of wisdom to these kids and, and uh, someone to look up to for these kids, and, and I think it really pays off for them. Uh, I Also, I know they have a, a high-end uh, freshman catcher that came in too. I don't know what his role is going to be this year. Uh, is it Kotke? Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, um, Broder Kek, Broder Kek, dude. He's he's good. He's yeah, good. They, I, watched, I watched him the other day, dude. He's legit. That's what I hear. And they, they've had good catchers there in general. Um, yeah, Migliaccio um, was awesome. Wind up right. kid. Yep. Must, yep. be, must be nice. Must be nice. That's not not a bad not a bad place to build. Uh, you know, you're up the middle. You're uh, no, shortstop. You know, injured shortstop and uh, and a high end catcher. I mean, that's that's a good start. Uh, <laughs> it's not bad, coach. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, next team I'm going with is a, a team that had 30 plus wins a year ago. They went 31 and nine. Not talked about a lot. Love these types of teams. Adrian, why do I like these types of teams? I just mentioned it. These guys are all playing Legion ball all summer, dude. All summer they're playing together into their into their adolescence. Not just like playing 10 U, 11 U, 12 U. These guys are going to play Legion ball. Are they going to get the most college exposure? No, probably not. I mean, are they going to go to these big national tournaments and you know get a chance to play in front of some uh, coaches from other states at your lower D1s and your higher D2s? No, not with Legion Ball. They might have tournaments like that. And if so, I'd love to be educated on them, and we would love to shine a light on them. However, when it comes to Michigan High School baseball, brother, you play together more you're bound to win more. That's just how it goes. This game is a muscle memory game. And you surround yourselves with people uh, that you play with day in and day out, day in and day out, and you get that you get that rhythm together. It's it's just like a lot of other sports. You know, it's like playing on the same line in hockey. It's like when the Wings signed Patrick Kane and immediately put him on that line with Debrink Cat. Like, that's just how it goes, right? So, again, super high on teams that have Legion ball and Trenton, like Trenton's whole thing is built off little league into Legion ball. Uh, Adrian, very similar, uh, similarly built and had an awesome year last year with 31 wins. Think that they uh, return enough to repeat their success. The schedule is not super strong. So it, it makes me tempered a bit on expectations come postseason, but I expect them to have another really strong regular season and find their way into the super 25 at some point. Um, I want to mention in a, another Catholic League team. We, you know, we mentioned how tough that conference is. I still want to keep an eye on De La Salle, who who hasn't been mentioned uh, maybe as much as the Brother Rices of the world or uh, or St. Mary's. But De La Salle got to the the regionals last year, um, lost a uh, a tough game to to Woodhaven, uh, but a really good team. Rhett Rozier got hurt last year. He was their their top pitcher and. Uh, was hurt for much of last year. I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I believe it was something that originated during football season. He's a very high-end football player as well. Uh, but by all accounts, he's going to be back. He's a two-sport stud, and, and he's going to make them tougher. Uh, Andrew Slavko, he's committed to uh, to Northwood. He's a left-handed hitting uh, infielder, as I recall. But they're going to have some guys, and uh, they always make some noise. It's a, It's a really tough conference it's there's some really good teams there that there, there's no off days uh plus you know we didn't even mention this yet but uh those toledo teams moved into the catholic league too you know i don't know a lot about them from a, a baseball standpoint um they're very you know, good they are very good fun fact i them. almost no go ahead i was gonna say i was gonna say fun fact i was like much better at baseball as an eighth grader than i was as like a senior um talk about that another day Point is, I almost went to Toledo Central Catholic to play baseball before inevitably choosing to go to Trenton. Um, but just fun fact, they are very good, though. Yeah, uh, that's have, something, some something pros, we need to. Yeah, we need to ask. Uh, you know, when we go to the convention and sit down with some of these coaches, we'll have to ask some of the Catholic League coaches. You know, what they know about uh, some of those teams. You know, from a baseball standpoint, that's you know another topic that we should cover, but. Uh, yeah, I think Dillis Howell is still going to find a way to make some noise. And I know that they're going to have a chance to, to make a run again in the postseason. They always do. They seem to have a path that lines up pretty well as far as giving them a chance to win a district and, and make some noise in the regionals. 
the last team I'm highlighting here is Clinton. Uh, according to the MHSAA's MPR, which if you're not familiar with that, it was their testing system for points last year. It was a computer ranking based on your strength of schedule and how you beat opponents, yada, yada, yada. It's I think personally, everyone I've talked to is all for this as the seeding format for the playoffs rather than the silly stuff we do right now conversation for another day point is this team was one of the top 10 teams in the state last year according to that system and that is clinton on the east side uh looked into it strength of schedule not great uh but they did go 29 and 2 according to the mhsaa's website uh and i looked into it further and i had a second team all state sophomore uh in jalen stelser uh and maybe it's a team we missed on easy to get lost in the shuffle of these uh, thousands of teams that populate Michigan high school baseball. Uh, Clinton might be a team to look out for this year, uh, especially with Stelzer coming back in a league that's winnable for them. And obviously they were able to do an extremely good job of winning games and not losing last year. And that's the hardest thing to do, no matter your schedule. So I always respect that. Some other teams to just call out, not to highlight, not going to go into them, just some teams to just simply call out as teams that I think might be good that I didn't talk about today. Uh, Airport. I think airport's always good. They got a new head coach coming in uh, and curious to see the job he does. They did lose a lot senior wise, but Carlton airport is a baseball city. In my opinion, always has been our school. I should say Carlton is the city airports, the school, regardless, you get my point. Uh, I think Southgate is a team to look out for. I don't know how they'll do on like a state scale, but I do think they're going to disrupt our league a lot. I think they're going to beat, each of us once at least. Um, we might lose twice to everybody. Lord knows. Point is, I think Southgate's going to steal one from Woodhaven and Trenton next year. And I think the league is the most wide open it's been in a long time. We'll save that conversation for another day. I've said that a lot today. Um, but those are some teams I wanted to throw out there. Um, I think there's going to be some West Side teams that end up coming up. Byron Center was a team I really, I think we have them ranked, but regardless, that was a team that's come to mind where I'm like, okay, that team's going to be really good. Um, any teams you want to call out? Well, I, st- I still want to talk about my, my tenth oh, one. Right? Yeah, I yeah. lost track. I lost uh, track. No, that's all right. But I, I, I will certainly highlight one more Catholic league team that I think gets overlooked again, just because of the strength of that league. They get they get overlooked a lot. But UAD Jesuits going to have a lot of talent on their roster. Bobby Crane, a twenty-five left-handed pitcher, committed to Notre Dame. Uh, Jack Dower, twenty-four uh, commit, going to Yale. Uh, Dylan Larkins, uh, another uh, 24, committed to uh, Georgetown, really athletic outfielder. Uh, but they've got a really good team. And uh, the way that the state tournament lines up for them, they usually face some Detroit teams early on. And uh, they generally will find their way into the regional with a chance to make a run. So I'd, I'd keep an eye out for them. Yeah, and Coach Mags does a great job. You know, he's a really good coach. Again, guys play for him, teaches the game super well. Uh, knows these guys, I think, because of his uh, summer team five tool. Not maybe it's, I don't know if it's his summer program or whatever it is, but regardless, is able to um, balance those two things. And you know, guys have a standard when they show up there. I think that's important. He does a really good job of that. Um, it's, it's obviously, gotta be, it's got to be a tough job because you you know that you have a good team, but a lot of times you end up under five hundred just because you're playing against such tough competition. Yeah, this, it's got to be unbelievable schedule. You know, keep keep the guys keep the guys confidence and and make them understand you're you know you're still a good team. I again. We go back to the cyclical stuff outside of like the classes being good. I'm talking cyclical in terms of just like the league, right? Because there was times, there's times when UFD has been the best team in that league. There's been times when CC has. Obviously, there's been plenty of time over the in recency uh, bias where Orchard Lake has been that team, right? But 
uh, and Brother Rice has been that team for probably the most of the years out of any of them. Regardless, that is the most difficult job in the world right now, is being a Catholic League team that's not Rice or Orchard Lake. I mean, even even the CC job when uh, – I can't remember. You remember his last name better than I would. I always say it wrong. Rogowski? Yeah, there we go. He's done a phenomenal job. That was a hard job to take. I mean, I get it. CC resources are probably plentiful. I'm just saying, like, to to be able to compete in that league was was tough. To be able to keep guys away from going to those schools is not easy, um, especially yeah. at U of D. I think it's I hard think to U- be. I think it's hard to be the coach of Rice and St. Mary's too. <laughs> even yeah, though, even though you win an I awful stakes. lot, it's so, right. I mean, that's imagine having a, a team like Rice has had the last few years. And people thinking that you can't win your league, you know, with a roster like that, or, or thinking that you don't have a chance to win the state tournament. Um, and how and how many people are naive enough to not know how hard that is to do, right? Like, there's plenty right. of them out there, and they probably populate the decision making rooms in some of those places. And it's hard to it's hard to paint a picture where you're like, look, like this stuff's not easy. Like the Yankees <laughs> don't win every year either. Like I don't know. What's well, look at I, I'm not going to dive too deep into this right now for a variety of reasons, but look at some of the very. <laughs> some of the very best teams last year and how many of those coaches are not back with that team this year for a variety Crazy. of reasons. And they're not all Crazy. the same. Re- they're not all the same reason, but it just, no. it just highlights how difficult of a life it can be. Even when you've got an unbelievable team, it's a difficult job. It's hard, dude. It's your whole life, man. I mean, it's hard no matter where you're at, but if you're at somewhere where that stuff's high stakes, it's fun. Don't get me wrong. Like you had like, I love Wyandotte. I'll, I'll be here for an eternity because, you know, I can't do that at that. I cannot go full time with coaching baseball. Like that's not in the cards for me. Uh, so I'll be at Wyandotte forever because I love it and because I'm able to put the passion into it just naturally and innately because I love it. But like everyone wants to be the coach at like a high profile school, right? Like that's awesome. That's fun. Like, you know, if it's a dream scenario where it's just like, hey, no, no sacrifices, just quick question. Would you want to do this? Like, of course. To be in a high stakes setting at you know Jimmy John's Field for the Catholic League final, like of course, who wouldn't want that? But it's the it's it's what happens when you don't do it. It's what happens when you don't win. It's the questions you got to answer. I mean, those dudes got like media following them, right? Like Channel Seven showing up at your practices. That stuff's not normal. That's hard to deal with, you know. So and then you got to balance everybody being good. And how about, how about parents parents who've invested thousands and thousands of dollars in their children playing baseball? Exactly. Exactly right. my point. You got 18 college players on your team. Who the hell is going to sit and how do you how do you explain that to them? Right? You got to get guys bought in. You got to get guys bought in. And it's hard to do that. It's hard to get guys to buy into their role when we live in a very and I don't think it's wrong to, that we're living in a very selfish era. I'm very I I am a huge proponent of like do what's best for you type of thing because i think we sometimes get like we we like put the team over ourselves and we screw our futures up i think that that's happened too many times in front of me uh, not me personally but i've seen it happen to too many too many people so i get it but like you still got to balance 18 college players you're responsible for their future you're responsible for your team's success you're responsible for their academic success you're responsible for whatever complaints their parents have and all those things all go into the same bubble and what's that bubble you you are that bubble sir like you control all like you have to answer all of those questions and it's not easy um but that's why they get paid the big bucks right i think i don't know some of them probably not who knows um <laughs> and that's the funniest part of it right it's not <laughs> there's no there's not much money in it that's the that's the tough part 
you go to the big bucks excuse and then you're like, well, do they? I mean, some of them, I mean, most of them have titles that are not baseball coach, but you know, their primary duties are their primary duties. It's not my business, I suppose. But so with that in mind, we have reached the, the final, we're going to have, I don't know if we have time for a new year's resolution coach, but uh, we have reached our final segue of the show it's been a long show one of our longest shows of uh the new year it's our first show of the new year but it's it's been a long show and we're gonna wrap it up here with a new year's resolution for baseball in michigan in 2024 so basically something we'd like to see introduced to the sport or maybe an old rule that we'd like to see amended uh namely last year the jewelry rule was amended not eliminated but amended uh, to where players could wear jewelry. Now they just can't be, I think it's like, you can't wear a certain size of something. Uh, can't be a distraction, something along those lines. For the most part, you get away with anything now, though chains, earrings, all that stuff. It's all full go. Um, so, or maybe earrings are out. Lord knows not going over the jewelry roll right now. Either way, we've seen some things happen. We've seen them try to do some things over the last couple of years. Uh, we put ourselves in the MHSAA president's chair. God bless us all. If it was me, Dan, What's your New Year's resolution for Michigan High School Baseball in 2024? I hope we don't say the same thing, although I'm sure we can think of multiple things. But I, I, don't, want well to, I, I don't want to delve into the jewelry rule, but I just want to tell you what I think is funny about that one. I'm, I'm more than cool with all the, all the jewelry being legal. The thing that I think is funny is when a player can have a gigantic cross or something of that nature on a chain, and it's okay, but if a player makes a cross with his eye black, he's got to wash it off. <laughs> I think that's a lot of this. The the, the loop, the loopholes you can make with the rules are, it's a fun time. I also, also your, also your dug, your dugout, like can't be excited. Like that's illegal for the most part. But yeah, (laughs) conversation for another day. Now, anyhow, um, and I'll make it quicker. I know we've gone on for a bit, but um, I I would say that in some way, shape or form, we've got to get away. uh, We've got to get somewhere towards seating in the state tournament. You know, I think, uh, Seating it across the board like football, probably not going to happen, probably never going to happen just because there's so many teams and it's it's it, that's awful complicated. But I think we need to at least get to a point where at a bare minimum, the districts are seated. And I think it's very reasonable to have the regionals seated at some point. I don't think, you know, if Gross Point North and Gross Point South, just as an example, are the best teams in the district, they shouldn't be playing each other on Tuesday. You know, that's just the kind of thing that can't happen anymore. We've got to figure out how to do it. It's not going to be easy. I'm not pretending that it's easy. I'm not pretending that there won't be arguments. I don't have all the answers, but I think we've just got to find a way to get that one. Fully agree. Was my original pick, but knew you'd pick it. So I went with something else. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and and that's like universal. Like so many coaches are like aligned with this and you'd think like they would allow us to be the ones to decide that, but I digress. Um, so moving on. I am going with the with a two-parter because they're very small amendments, but I think it's important to note them, but I'll note both. First and foremost, uh, the signs that we wear, the wristbands, we should be able to wear those on our belts. It's ridiculous that we can't. Um, the NFHS rule is that they need to be worn on the wrist, but obviously we know how that impedes a lot of things for, for many reasons at the plate. You can't wear it. You got to wear this ginormous thing on your wrist at the plate. And and here's a coach at home right now in this exact moment. Oh, you know, you could just give signs, you know, 
you know what? Like, no, like I don't want to do that. Like, I want a foolproof system where my guys know exactly what they're supposed to do, and I can get multiple things in at the same time without a screw up, or at least optimizing to where if we were to simulate this a hundred times, we'll screw up ninety nine percent loose less than we would screw up if I was doing manual signs, right? Because my responsibility is to put my team in the most successful position to win, and I think that's what that does. And I think it's ridiculous that you can't put it on the belt. In fact, I emailed the MHSAA representative about this, and their response was it was an NFHS rule and that that individual himself understood my point. So <laughs> let, let's hope there's some sort of amendment within Michigan or at a national level because I think it's stupid. Uh, and then secondly, specific to the MHSAA, let your players enjoy themselves. Um, you, uh, players should be able to exit the dugout when their team scores after the play is dead. The fact we can't is stupid. Do you expect players to just not be excited? It's not, it should not be. Look, our guys can control themselves. Our guys know when the dugout, when you exit the dugout and a guy scores, they're not going to run out of the field to play. They're not going to like get in the way of a ball. No one's doing that stuff on purpose. And if they are, then, you know, deal with that. But don't typecast it into every kid. Our kids just want to have fun. This game gets, we lose a lot of kids to this game because they're bored. To make it more boring is a crime. To make it more fun helps kids get more excited about it. Isn't that what we're doing here? Isn't that our job is to bring this sport to the youth and and help them enjoy it and give them life lessons through it and maybe even give them a life out of it if they're good enough? Isn't that our job? So why do we make it boring? Why do we like, what does that do? How is that harming anybody by exiting your dugout to concur- to congratulate the guy who just scored on a run? That's how you teach the game. You teach the game. When your guy scores, you leave the dugout. You don't teach the game with stay in the dugout until someone walks in here. No one teaches the game that way. I've never heard that in my lifetime. So why are we doing it? That I had a first, I had a first this year and it was actually a little league district tournament game. I was reprimanded by the umpire for fist bumping the kid at first base. Like after a base. Oh hit. my god! Oh, dear. just there is to be, and it sounded it sounded funny, like it was a little bit humorous, but basically the message was, "There's no touching of the kids." You know, which sounds like a creepy, weird. Yeah, thing right. That sounds terrible. <laughs> it's just, you cannot touch the kids during the game. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that, that's even that's it. That but that one was. I mean, of all my years coaching, I've never heard anything of that nature. I and I made a big scene just because I thought it was appropriate to make a big scene at that point. But. Um, yeah, that was That's, that was a new yeah. one. That was a new one. And if I could, I I would find a way for our umpires to be better trained. But I can't hate on our umpires because they're they're doing God's work. They're doing what nobody else is willing to do. So like, I'm not going to ask them to do right. more than they already do. But I just wish the state had a little bit. Right now, the state is really desperate to get guys into umpire, which I understand naturally. Yep. You, you need to get guys in. I get it. I get it. It's a really really tough position. That's why I didn't bring it up. Because I don't think it's I don't think it's realistic to bring this up, but I would love to have a little bit more you know rigid training and um, uh, I don't know how I would describe this like supervision of the umpires from from assigners just in general. Some are better than others, obviously, but I just remember yeah, last year we had some we umpires. Have, uh, we don't have time today, but we should uh, in the in the spirit of the Lions and what happened in Dallas, we should. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. We, we, someday we should tell a story of of uh, you know something of that nature that's happened in baseball. I'm sure we all have stories, but that's uh, for another day. Maybe we should keep that in mind. Yeah, so no doubt. I would love the story do that. where where an umpire changed a game or a rule changed a game, something of that nature. 
Oh, I know right which I know the right one I'm going to. <laughs> and now and now that situation's breathed long enough where I can talk about it. Um <laughs> all right. Well, that is it for the first show of the Dan Greasebaum Jr. era of Colder Bats. Um it's important that you guys know that uh you know, speaking for Brian, he obviously really had a lot of fun with this and it was a it was not a thank God thing for him when he let this thing go and had to walk away from it. It was like a, it was a sacrifice. You know, he really loved doing it. And so um, the fact that Dan gets to do it is important for him because uh, that's who he wanted to do it. That's who I wanted to do it. Dan, we're very thankful that you're here. Very thankful that you're sacrificing your time to, uh, to share this community with us and continue to build it. Cause otherwise a solo show is never going to work. And I don't know if anybody else was more fit for this than you were. So very thankful that you're here. Uh, you can follow us on social media at Cold Weather Bats. We will be coming to you from the Michigan High School Baseball Coaching Convention next week. And we are so excited to talk to so many coaches and talk about Michigan High School Baseball at such a deep level for like three hours next week. And kind of like that's like the gateway to the season. So we're almost there, guys. January is always the month where I say, oh, shit. I have to do so many things I haven't done yet uh, because the season starts in two months. So we will talk to you guys next week between now and then take care of yourselves, get back to work because the holidays over and all that fun is now gone. Enjoy your Sunday scaries every night. And we will talk to you guys next week for Dan. First time saying that I'm Brandon and we will talk to you guys soon. Thank you.